What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future opportunities. They partner with local industries and employers, ensuring their programs align to the needs of the community's workforce. Lake Michigan College can help you get to the future you want. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu. Good morning. My name is John Smutanka, and the name of our program is With Respect. This morning's guest on With Respect is Shirley Myers. Shirley is a person involved in a program called Burning Man. I call it a program, it's really a phenomenon which is growing uh, from the, around the country and now here into Michigan. We'll be talking about her and her involvement with Burning Man when we get come right back. Shirley, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it's, all right. It's wintertime. Mm-hmm. It's Michigan. <laughs> Is there anybody who can really be good on, wish, on Michigan? On, okay, I lied. <laughs> all right, <laughs> That's Shirley. a great way to start a, a, a discussion <laughs> is by lying, yay. Yeah, it's, it's gray and cold and crunchy and winter has arrived and, uh, yeah, it's Michigan. The sun it's, hasn't been out in about two weeks. Yeah. So... so but you're going to brighten up this whole conversation <laughs> telling us, where are you from originally? I grew up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Which one? Uh, a little teeny tiny town called Wakanda. Wakanda. I've heard mm-hmm. about Wakanda. Mm-hmm. I listen every so often to the traffic reports um, of uh, in, in Chicago. On, and occasionally you'll hear about, and we've got a, a tie-up near Wakanda. Oh, my. It's, they've <laughs> made it to the big time, clearly. <laughs> It's been a long time since I lived there. When I lived there, they were shooting the Blues Brothers there. So that's oh, how right. long ago I was there. Do you remember the shooting? Uh, no. I remember hearing about it. I think it was just after I'd left. Hmm. I remember w- watching that movie several times. I, I hate to say how many times. <laughs> but they Because they had different parts of the places that I was familiar with uh, that were filmed. The South Shore Country Club was turned into the... S- to the Chicago, the South Cultural Center for the city of Chicago, right. and it's a beautiful place. And they played; they had part of the set was there, part oh. of it was up north, and part of it was in the in the downtown area around the Civic Center and the City Hall, where I used to be as mm-hmm. a as a young law student and <laughs> um, and a young lawyer. But anyway, so uh, what were you interested in when you were a kid? What did you do? Uh, well, I was a kid that grew up in a very small town, so I was very much, um, oh God, and then that was the timing too. I mean, it was, I grew up in a very small town when there was a lot going on in in the greater world. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was really interested in what was going on out there. Mm -hmm. It was very, as much as I could be, I was focused on, um, I mean, it was the women's movement and it was the black power movement and it was, you know, the, the beginnings of the rock industry so I was very I was very much focused on the world um when I was a kid I mean I I I was uh I I tended towards art Mm. you know I studied um I in college I studied photography so even in high school I was interested in photography I was interested in music um so I would I went to the big concerts it was the beginning of arena arena rock Mm -hmm. and so I was I did a lot of that when I was young, when I was in my teens. What What, uh, what about your family? What were their backgrounds? Um, let's see. Uh, my mom and dad met in the Navy when they were very young. My parents were very young when I was born. I, uh, they were 18, no, they were 19 and 20 when I was born. Mm-hmm. So I had a very young, you know, they were very young, mm-hmm. youthful. Um, we grew up in, I grew up in Elmhurst. I lived there when I was really little. It was a suburban, you know, middle class. 
Brothers, yeah. sisters? I've got a sister who is um, six years younger than me, so I was an only child for a long time. So I have one sister that's six years younger, and then my parents divorced when I was nine, and then uh, they both remarried, and now I have more siblings. You're just just expanding this, the world. It, yes, yeah, and then those you know those siblings. My my closest sister um, had kids, and there's grandkids, and yeah, and it just keeps going. All right, when you were when you were young. You say that you're interested in everything outside of your world, mm-hmm. outside of the, the physical confines of Elmhurst and Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the days, I take it, when, as you say, the civil rights movement was going strong, the, the um, anti-war movement, was that a part of it mm-hmm. also? Mm-hmm. What was your involvement my involvement. Yeah, did you get out and, and protest? Did you oh, God, out? no, I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, though. I do remember um, my parents were divorced in, I think, 1968 or so. And uh, I remember my father was a new divorcee. He had bought a 1968 Barracuda. Do you remember the Barracudas? I do, I do, I do. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I'm sad to say that I do. <laughs> So on the radio, because, of course, the radio was one of the ways that you got information about the greater world, were um, reports about Woodstock. And Uh. I remember whining and trying to cajole him into driving to New York because I knew it wasn't far. (laughs) And I was like, Dad, we are missing something really important right here. And I was, you know, little. I was little. And he just, he wouldn't do it. And it I'm sure my life would have been much different if I had been able to talk him into that. Oh, well, they made a movie, several movies about that. Some of them were documentaries, and others were reconstructions. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a phenomenal event. Mm-hmm. It was a happening. Mm-hmm. It was a massive happening. Right. And you missed it. I missed it. Oh, I missed man. it. Um, but I'm sure, but that was sort of, it was one of the beginning things of, what then became Arena Rock and like the dead, you know, the Grateful Dead and following the dead and that whole world of festival culture. Mm-hmm. So that was probably one of the first ones. I'm sure there were more on the West Coast, but we were very far from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you obviously like music then. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And art. Yes. And photography. Yes. So we've knocked those three uh, on the table. Mm-hmm. All right. So. <laughs> What attracted you to art? What was the big thing? What, what, why? You didn't write a book. Some no. people I talk to on this show will, they'll talk about what motivated them to start writing. And I, but I'm interested in what motivated you to be interested in art. I think I just have, I'm just like terminally curious. I mean, that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I can't think of any one particular thing. Uh, curious about what? Everything. What do you mean curious about every, what? Yeah, all right. <laughs> when, you're, when you are curious, you're curious about everything. All right. <laughs> and, but but you're, I'm sur- sure that uh, there's a difference between your interest in painting and... Because uh, I get... odd thing, I want to know about everything, but it's, it's, there are some areas that really interested you more than others. What would they be? Mm-mm, I would say, you know, the photography was probably about wanting to document what was going on in my world at the time. And um, I started, I got a c- camera and had access to a black and white dark room. So um, I used to go and take pictures of bands at bars and things. I had, I have an uncle who was... Um, who, of course, would get all the stories from him, and he was a mm, art director, creative director, bon vivant in New York City in the 70s, who um, got very much involved with all of the rock bands that were coming up in those days and um, ended up being an album cover designer. So he would come, and he would visit, and he would bring me Led Zeppelin three, or he would bring me Sticky Fingers, or he would bring me Cheech and Chong's newest record. So I had an influence from sort of that world through him, and that was really interesting to me. So I'm sure that that had something to do with it. Um, But I've always been curious about 
people and how they think, how they relate to one another. I, I think it's just innate. I mean, I'm, I don't remember any particular thing that influenced that. I think I've always just been that way. So, photography. You took a lot of pictures. Yes, of course. <coughs> did you take formal courses in it? Is that mm -hmm. something? Um, did you make a living out of it, eventually? Uh, yeah. How? Yeah. Well, Co I'm a photo stylist now. All right. I've been a photo stylist since... <coughs> forever, <laughs> a really yeah. long time. Um, I went to school, I studied, I went to school in Carbondale, Illinois. Mm -hmm. for Southern two, University, yeah. Southern Illinois. Right, yeah. they had a good photography uh, program, so I went there for two years, and um, then I came came back to Chicago and finished at Columbia College. So I have a four-year degree in photography. Where does that lead you? Is that is that something you go to work for somebody else, or you, you're on your own, or what? Um, I'm on my own. Um, at the time in Chicago, there, uh, the Sears catalog was always shot in Chicago, and so was the Montgomery Wards catalog. So it had a huge, um, it had a huge catalog photography industry. Chicago did, and so when I got out of college, I just went to be a photographer's assistant working on the Sears catalog, and we shot vacuum cleaners <laughs> <laughs> day in and day out. So I got kind of bored with that pretty fast. Um, and then, <laughs> so then I found out that... Well, there's uh, no, there's uh, no humanity in the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> oh, but there's so much. And it was the time of, you know, film and hot lights, so it, they'd use these... And like movie lights, they would use these hot can lights, um, so it would be hot in there, and these intense, they, it was just, lighting photography at that time was just so much more cumbersome than it is now. Um, we would shoot 8 by 10 transparencies, mm -hmm. so in these, in the great big view cameras, so um, that was, yeah, it was a very weird world, but it was fun, and it was, in in a way, it was probably like what the studio system was in Los Angeles, to, you know, in in Hollywood, mm -hmm. where there were just a lot of people that would come and go through these studios, and there were big, big sets and big area, high ceiling warehouse spaces in Chicago, all over Chicago. So, it was an industry. It was great. I I worked for a company for maybe a year, and then I decided that I wanted to freelance, and then I just worked all over Chicago for another 15 years or so. We have on this program many different individuals who at every, different ages and different uh, times in their lives, uh, different uh, times in the history of the, of the country, have come upon something which changes their life and that puts a different direction to where they're, they're going. And the first one that I, I hear from you is that you left the, uh, the company you were working for and you struck off on your own to be an independent worker. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that, that you know, marked you, that, that you, could, you would take out and you put a marker on your calendar and say, okay, this is where I, I shifted into something else. Uh, that's probably happened a hundred times. That's okay. what I would call reinvention. Okay. Right. So um, there's always been a couple of threads, and and being a photo stylist has been something that I've done since the early '80s. Um, but you know, I all or in about that same time period, I started coming here um, for parties, of course, on the beach mm -hmm. in the late '70s, early '80s. Here being Michigan, Southwest Michigan. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was one thing, I suppose, that kind of shifted things, because up until then I'd been living a city life. Well, I, I mean, I went to school in Carbondale, and that was sort of the countryside. It's really beautiful down there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, big school and everything. And then I came back to Chicago, and... I always wanted to live in Chicago and have that kind of city life, and that was my early 20s, so it was a perfect time to do that. Um, I got involved in um, so the nightclub scene, and at that time, house music was being born. So that's probably a big influence on me as well. Um, I used to go to the Smart Bar and uh, the Metro. It's now called the Metro. So uh, that sort of club scene, and then I had all my friends there, and we did all kinds of crazy 
events and things too and uh, so there was that part of the world and then and then coming here and coming to the beaches and being on the lake and all those sorts of things um, that was sort of another thread that that actually probably pulled me here eventually mm -hmm. like I, I enjoyed being in the city and all the things that I was learning there and experiencing there but after a time I wanted to change and that's when I ended up coming here full-time we're going to take a break right now. We're talking to Shirley Meyer. Shirley is a person who we're going to be talking about uh, with her about the burning man syndrome or phenomenon or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and we will be right back. We're now back on With Respect with Shirley Meyer, who is a person who has started in, Ch in the Chicago area and has now settled here in western Michigan. But we're going to be talking about this phenomenon called Burning Man. This is John Smetanka. Shirley, you came to West Michigan. <clears throat> on the beaches. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's a great place to start. Yes. Half my life was spent on the beaches <laughs> in, of, of western Michigan. It was right. wonderful. But uh, somewhere along the line, you, you got involved in this thing called Burning Man. What is that all about? Well, I guess the beaches are a good jumping off point because the place that I met, the original burners that I met, was at the beach parties that always happened at the Wilson Grutendorst Beach in Lakeside. Hmm. And if you've spent any time here uh, in the 90s and the 80s, I suppose, from what I've heard, those, those parties had been going on since the 60s when John Wilson Sr. and the Grutendorst parents started having parties on the beach right by the Lakeside Hotel. So those parties would be, when I became aware of them, they were um, at July, f no, t Memorial Day, July 4th, and Labor Day. So I ended up, when I finally got to those parties, um, Greg Worthington and John Groot, Groot as we call him, were building effigies and putting them on, on their bonfires. They were, Greg would do these crazy things with fireworks. Um, they were always doing dangerous things with flammable gases and such. <laughs> so they were sort of, they had already discovered Burning Man and they had already gone a few times and they started telling me about it. Um, I mean, I had heard about Burning Man in the 90s when some friends of mine started going to the Rainbow Gatherings, which is another sort of festival, sort of subculture. Um, and they had told me about this thing called Burning Man. It always sounded interesting to me. But um, it being over, you know, in Nevada, it was far away and stuff. So I never got around to doing it then. Um, but then when I met these two and started seeing what they were doing on the beaches, I, it rekindled this idea of uh, going out to the desert. Um, I've always been a pyro. I've always been a fire person I you know bonfires and lighting I was lighting matches as a kid I was I got in trouble for it several times it's <laughs> like what where did you get those matches uh I don't know lighting matches having candles even as a kid so I've always been sort of a pyro and so when I found them doing all these crazy dangerous things with fire I was intrigued <laughs> this is fascinating. This is this is my world. Fire, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, I Earth, air, fire, and water. Right, Four right. basic ancient elements. <laughs> yeah, you can skip all the rest of them. Fire's <laughs> just fine. Yeah, it was on the beach next to water. Yes, yes. And you, you're yeah. on sand. What? Come yeah, on. Yep. And you're breathing mm -hmm. the wonderful air <laughs> of, of Southwest Chicago Michigan. pollution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the lake. yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, now, Grutendorst and Wilson, those are famous names in, in, in this community over here. Mm -hmm. um, but when you say these parties, what was the, what were, they were wild, did you say? Oh, sure. Yeah, well, they were as wild as, you know, yeah. Uh, 
They were as wild as you could be back in those days. I mean, everything has been so sort of squelched on the beaches here. I mean, we used to camp out on the beaches. We used to stay up all night. You know, someone would bring out a, a, some sort of, like, gas-leaking boat and anchor it, and then we would throw all the beer cans in the boat. I mean, I'm really happy to have been able to uh, spend Survive. some of my <laughs> youth <laughs> doing those things here before you know, the rules got so intense that you can't do much anything on the beaches anymore. Yeah, I know. Uh, back in those days, I was the prosecutor here. And, mm. um, and, and I used to hear about these things, these <laughs> wild parties going on down. And I used to say, please, no, no, I can't take this. <laughs> I got enough problems. With the highways, I-94, and guns, and murders, and whatnot. Uh. So, but I remember when I was prosecutor, and we literally had tens of thousands of people coming to, say, Warren Dunes on a, on a holiday weekend. And there was like three conservation officers trying to maintain some semblance of order. <laughs> and I always had this fear that... Everything was, one day, was going to just blow up into a massive riot. Uh, what era was this, the 90s? The, the 80s. 80s, the 70s, okay. 70s and 80s. Okay. And, uh, but then when I went on to become U.S. Attorney, which was in the 80s, uh, the, the rest of the 80s and into the 90s, um, I was safe from that. I had different riots to worry about. Because then you had gone to Grand Rapids. Then I had gone uh, well, to Grand Rapids, yeah. yeah. They're, they're very nice there. <laughs> Well, but see, our, we covered all of Western Michigan. Oh, uh, got it. Okay. So we covered uh, the uh, craziness in Lansing. We covered the craziness in Berrien County and on up to the Upper Peninsula and, and everything. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, those were interesting times. Mm -hmm. Those were very, kind of the, the 70s bleeding into the 80s were times of transition from the generation that was involved in the, so, the big social movements of the 60s had to then settle down and become employed. So, enter Burning Man. You went out, to, you went out there. Tell us about that. Yeah, I went out in uh, 2003 after... Uh, so, Greg and, Greg and Groot... Um, you know, dangled this in front of me for a couple of, of years before I finally got, you know, got it together to get the money together and all the arrangements and everything. So um, I went, my first year I went with, uh, they called it Camp Whistleworks. And Greg Worthington is, um, he lives here still, and he was involved with the SOFA in Chicago, which is an arts um, show, an art show that happens on Navy Pier still. And he's a, he also was involved with the Lakeside Studio. He's a, he started out as a, a potter, but um, he's, he's an engineer. So he, was ma he and Christina were Worthington, his um, wife, ex-wife now, were making, uh, they made this steam whistle, and the whistles themselves were made of clay. So you'd, they would have a little workshop, and everyone would come, and they would make these balls of clay and when you when you arranged them with holes and stuff they would make each one would make a different slightly different sound and they would hang them on this crazy <laughs> Rube Goldberg looking uh, basically a boiler and put water in, in the big tank put a fire under it and when it started to boil it made the most angelic sound that you've ever mm. heard so they would have maybe 20 whistles on it and they would all when the boiling it would be like a teapot the same mm -hmm, idea mm -hmm. but there would be so many different whistles and they would all have a different tone so it sounded like this wonderful um, angelic it was beautiful so they took that out to Burning Man a couple of times and then the year that I went they um, they brought a clay studio and Raku the the kilns to make to do Raku mm -hmm. which was propane um, it was uh, heated with propane, so they would do raku all night, and people would come and people would come and make things during the day, set them out to be fired at night, and they would do raku all night. So that was the camp that I went to with, but I probably spent a total of twenty minutes in the camp <laughs> because newbies, uh, a good newbie will go and let the festival take him or her where it takes 
you. So I just had out, headed out to the playa and it just took me away. I think, I don't think I even came back the first couple of days. <laughs> mm -hmm. <coughs> now, you use words that I know are specific to uh, to the Burning Man, but I don't. You haven't told me yet what is Burning Man. Oh, well, it's a festival that happens in the desert outside Reno. Um, it's been going on for nearly thirty years. It started as a it started as an effigy burn um, by a man named Larry Harvey who I believe had just gone through a divorce and it was like a, a it was like an effigy, it was like a rebirthing kind of effigy. They did it at the summer solstice on the beach in San Francisco. Um, Larry had a bunch of friends who uh, was San Francisco in the you know mid 80s and they had started a group called the Cacophony Society mm -hmm. who did, uh, they were sort of pranksters. They, they would sort of send up cultural norms in one way or another. They were very anti-commercialism and um, the Cacophony Society is, is, exists today, to today and they still do um, sort of prankstery, outrageous parties. One is Santa Con, they do a bunny con where there's everyone dresses up like a bunny at Easter and goes out on a bar in a pub crawl. They did Santa Con, the same thing at Christmas. They, everyone <laughs> dresses up in Santa costumes and you know rampages around some city. They do it in Chicago and Detroit, and mm -hmm. they do it all over the West Coast. They probably do it all over the world now. Um, so out of that sort of sensibility um, came Burning Man. It came out of the sense of you know we're gonna mess with society and we're gonna turn everything on its ear and. Uh, we're going to, you know, do what we want and express ourselves. And so out of that came this effigy burning party. And then once that got to be too big for the beach, they moved it out to the desert. And now it's up to 70,000 people. Um, and it's, it keeps changing and evolving. It constantly will, that will continue. Mm -hmm. But it started out as a, uh, people going out to the desert and just being very crazy in whatever way they want it to be. Mm -hmm. So, cacophony society, uh, cacophony being the word which describes noise or uh, sound which is uh, harsh or changing or cacophonos, mm -hmm. uh, 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 bad sound out of Greek. But yeah. it's, it's dissonance. And, mm -hmm. it's, and you're, what you're describing is dissonance with sort of the established way of doing things in, in, in a consumer-based society. Is that a yeah. fair way of describing yeah, that's it? Good. Mm -hmm. Now, when you got out there, and I've seen the pictures of, of the Burning Man, and it's fascinating. And I see it, when I, when I look at those pictures, and I read the material about Burning Man, I see this on many different levels. Uh, first of all, you have from, it went from four or 5,000 people to now 70,000 people. So you've got a, gr a large group of people. Number two, it's organized. Mm -hmm. um, but number three, it's crazy. Yeah. That is, there are very few um, people who are walking around in pinstripe suits, unless it's part of a costume. <laughs> right. There's a few. <laughs> 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 they might get shot, some pants shot at them from the pants cannon, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're all, the people who are walking around are as different looking as you can imagine, i.e., mm. some are in costume, some are not. Uh, some have uh, um, wild hair, some people have no hair. Some people have um, fully clothed, others are partially clothed. Some people are... Um, are are very seem to be very expressive, and some are shy. They seem to be quiet. Uh, another thing which I note is that the those things which stand out physically are the designs, the buildings, the structures. They're eclectic. They're very very eclectic. And some of them are wood, and some of them are plaster of Paris, so it appears to be. Others are, are neon. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and there's lights, and there's 
burning and there is all different kinds of stuff going on. And you just described your first event was you didn't you didn't come back for two days. <laughs> so obviously this really appealed to your sense of curiosity and and your eclectic sense of curiosity and about people. Right. Because you're not going to find your standard politicians out there campaigning uh, for office in not a, yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. Yeah, we're going to get say. to that because that <laughs> that to me is also a, a, an interesting part of this phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Is it has grown so much, mm -hmm. uh, and it is now being captured. It apparently it looks like by organized, more uh, more. Uh, stable, not stable, that is a bad word, more, more uh, staid society, yeah. yeah. But before we get into that, we're going to take another break. This is John Smetanka on With Respect, and we're talking to Shirley Myers, who is, I've been calling her Shirley Myers, Shirley Myers, mm -hmm. uh, who is involved in the Burning Man phenomenon. And she's just described her first experience in Burning Man, but we're going to talk about it, uh, what's happened since then and about the whole movement and what it really stands for. We'll be right back. We're now back on With Respect with Shirley Myers, who is involved in the Burning Man phenomenon which started out on the West Coast and got to Nevada and now is spreading around. We're going to talk about how far it spread in a little while. But you went there once, the first time, and it was, I'm sure, uh, a, a mind-expanding sort of thing. <laughs> is that a fair description? Sure, yeah. It was, um, I felt very natural in that space. Why? Because it, well, for one thing, it's very safe. The uh, Burning Man is sort of, um, they have a, a number of principles that sort of keep people safe. Um, one of is uh, called radical inclusion, one's called... Um, well, you've got ten principles right. uh, uh, which are listed. There's and the you can and tell us what those ten principles are. Okay, so there's radical inclusion, there's gifting, there's decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, communal effort, civic responsibility, leave no trace, participation, and immediacy. All right, let's going to start from the top. What are, what are you talking about? Well, radical inclusion is about, um, they say that anyone is, anyone is welcome at Burning Man. And so when you go to Burning Man, a lot of people who go to Burning Man would probably self-describe as freaks. And freaks. Yeah, and mm -hmm. when you go to Burning Man, you're not freaky anymore because there's way more freaky people than... <laughs> than you'll ever even you'll even ever get close to so that was that's part of the thing of of not there's like a because everyone is so completely freaky there's not a judgment there's no judgment like i didn't feel like i was the weirdo anymore so i felt when i go to burning man i feel kind of like the normal person <laughs> which is really odd for me um so that and there and then burners are known to sort of take care of each other they're you know you take care of your you have to protect the community, and protect the community means if somebody's about to crash and burn, you step in and you help them. There are, uh, at Burning Man, there are rangers, and they are sort of your first responders when something's going wrong. Um, so they'll help you get water is really important. I mean, it's a desert, and it gets hot. It gets really hot at, during the day, and it gets really cold at night. So keeping yourself hydrated and... Um, keeping yourself fed and finding your way home <laughs> mm -hmm. are really important things and people look out for each other so I knew that going out into the out into the, onto the playa which is what they call the open area of the desert that's that is Black Rock City um, Black Rock City is mm -hmm. the part of Nevada uh, the desert of Nevada where this found a home uh, well Black Rock eventually. City is the city that Burning Man creates okay so oh, okay. So that city. is the city. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. And, um, so when I went out there, I I knew I when you come in, they give you a great big book that's called the What, Where, When, and it tells you everything that's going on. So 
Um, now is a sort of season burner. I look at that, I flip through it, and I throw it into my suitcase. <laughs> and I don't look at it at all. But my first year, I looked at it, and I found a few things that I wanted to see. Um, so I set out for those, and I think I made it to a couple of them, but most mostly I didn't make it to the events that I was planning because something else shinier and more interesting happened. So, What attracted you that first time? To Burning Man? Yeah. The fire. Ah, the there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew that they were going to burn a great big effigy. I had, I had um, met some um, pagans when I was studying herbalism that um, were spinning fire. So I, I had started doing fire spinning, which is, um, it's called poi spinning, which is a sort of a juggling type thing that you do with lit wicks. Okay. Um, so I knew about that, and I wanted to pursue that and, and hone those skills. So I already knew about the fire part, and that was that was the part that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So that's what pulled me out there. So, but obviously, there, not everything is burning. So there's no. other kinds of things that attracted mm-hmm. people, and mm-hmm. attracted people in two ways. Number one, they want to go out and create something, mm-hmm. a statement about themselves. Well, the communal effort part, is that's where that comes in. The communal mm-hmm. effort is just working with other people, especially when you're working with other people um, without, you know, imposed deadlines by, or a paycheck. You know, they're, they're doing this because they love doing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people, I think a lot of certainly the early burners were um, Hollywood, like, set builders and set designers and um, art directors. So a lot of them were people who were into big production. Mm -hmm. So they would bring those big productions out to the desert where when you go there, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing there. So they, there's a team of people that come out early called DPW and they lay out, they do the surveys and they lay out the city. They lay out the roads. Um, Do you have roads? I mean, this is, mm. this is, oh, yeah. I've seen the overhead pictures, and it's very well organized. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the city sometimes is laid out in in uh, squares like Chicago, that with uh, north, west, southeast. Mm-hmm. And other times it's a great circle, and other, uh, you know, I've seen other pictures. Out. Well, the, the city part is laid out in a horseshoe, and then the, the man is sort of right in the middle of that. And then beyond that is open playa which is where all the art goes. Where all the... Art goes. Art goes all the okay. art pieces Tell me about the there. art, because that's that also, in the pictures that I've seen, was really fascinating. Yeah, a lot of it is large-scale public-type art. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of... Oh, God, I... Just go to the website. <laughs> <laughs> there's... And the art is kind of... Is where the... Where the... the I Where it's going now. Where it's... The Burning Man Project is about... Um, supporting, funding, and encouraging art and artists all over the world. Okay. So that's kind of that's where the that's where it's going now at in its current um, age. Um, but the art is amazing. A lot of it, for one one thing that it, it always is 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 interactive. So you're encouraged to climb on it. They have to build it so that you can so that it will take weight. It's um, a lot of it is highly technological. Like um, a lot of the fire art is is all electronic. Like the technology that goes into a lot of it is high engineering. Like I've met people who worked for NASA. I've I've met um, you know I I came in with a brain surgeon one time. I mean, there's a lot of really intelligent people expressing themselves through art and whatever else out there. It's mm-hmm. it's an amazing um, crossroads for everything that is happening in society now. Where, pardon me, how long does this take place? Is it a two-day event? Is it a oh, it's a, from Mon- It's a Monday to Monday. It's a week for the general population. There are people who come in, like I said, a month early. There are people, I think, that come in to Gerlach, which is the closest town, a couple months early. There are people that work for the event nine months out of the year. They'll go in early, they'll lay out the roads, they'll get everything ready. And the, But the general public, it's a week. 
and then there's, then there's going to be, we're going to talk about that later, there's going to be a cleanup period as well. Oh, sure. But let's, let's go back to your principles. The first principle is radical inclusion. Mm -hmm. What else? Um, one, one of the things, it, it's interesting because I was thinking about the, the principles, and it's sort of like in an AA thing where you sort of work through the different principles. When I was very uh, an early burner, um, the radical inclusion was really important to me, and the gifting was really important. There's no, well, there's, there, there's basically no money exchanged once you get there. You can buy, there are a few things you can buy. You can buy coffee, chai, and ice. Those are the only things that you can buy. And cash is really discouraged. Like, you, you just don't want to see it. You don't want to exchange it. You don't want to use it. And so gifting, and it's not barter, it's gifting. So when you walk up to a bar, you just get a drink. When you... People will hand you things. There's swag is really huge. So you'll get stickers and you'll get necklaces and you'll get jewelry and clothing. There's a costume camp you can go and just you walk in and you they'll outfit you with costumes and then you leave. So every everyone is giving what they've brought. So there's a, sh a sharing, a fundamental sharing. That's that really again it frees you from the con like the societal confines of value for one thing, of th the exchange that happens that can be so degrading to value. You know, in our society, we don't value certain things that are, the rest of us think are very valuable. Mm -hmm. So the gifting is, that was a really important thing for me. And the first time that I, when I got there, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Um, so I, you know, got an older burner and I said, okay, how, how does this work? <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, okay, we're going to go up to the bar and you're going to get a drink. You have to bring your own cup. Always bring your own cup. You don't, ex like, th that's the so radical self-reliance part. It's like, don't expect us to give you all your shit. You've got to, like, you bring a cup, you bring plates, you bring all your serveware. You bring everything, you have to bring everything that you need and down to water when you go out there. Um, so... We just walked up to the bar and I got a drink, and it was I. I'm so so used to having to give money for that for that exchange right. that mm -hmm. it took me a minute to, decon you know disconnect from that. Well, now you, that, there's a word, that that is one of your principles is discommodification. Oh, decommodification. Decommodification. Right. What does that mean? That means that you're not going to go there and see things that are sponsored by Budweiser or by. You know, you're not going to find corporate, corporate interests. Like you don't. There's. They go down to the point of like if you rent a truck from Ryder, they want you to, to disguise the logo. It's mm. a it's a non-logo. We don't want to be sponsored by any corporate interests, and that is a that's been a constant struggle and something that. There's been a lot of time and a lot of lawyers to defend the um, the Burning Man logo, and certain words have been um, I don't know if they copyright them yeah, or whatever or it is, but yeah. yeah, they're trademarked and they can't use them. And there's they have a whole team of lawyers that defend their their intellectual property. Right, right, so, right. So yeah, so you're not going to find corporate interests, and it's it's difficult because it's a it's a you know, it's a fine line. It's a fine line constantly. So there's, so within the population, there's always like, oh, you know, you're you're showing a logo and that's not cool, or this this seems like commodification, and so there's a it's a constant flux of what will be tolerated. Mm -hmm. So if I went went in wearing a, a Ralph Lauren uh, t-shirt or whatever, <laughs> I'm going to be an outcast. Well, somebody might come and suggest that that, that get cut out of it. Like you, you might just grab it and cut it, or you could put a sticker over it, or you could put a little X over it. Yeah. Which is which is better than when I ran. I was running for attorney general uh, some years ago, and I was I was uh, campaigning. And I believe me, when you're running for office, there is nothing more humiliating than what you have to do, ask for money, ask for votes, talk to people. If there's five people in a telephone box, bo a booth, you talk to them. <laughs> but I remember going to the St. Joe Art Fair, and they were vigorous about not wanting you to be a politician or politic. This is 100,000 people. On and, the bluff. And, on the bluff. Yeah. 
And so this is ideal. So all kinds of different politicians would come up with different ideas they, of getting out there. Mm -hmm. And some would, you know, they, they'd hand out their palm cards, you know, or their, their stickers or something. And that was the, the, the art police came and stopped. <laughs> the art police, yay. <laughs> yeah. and, and other people would just wear T-shirts saying, vote for Smith for, for county judge. And they would, you know, get them off. Get that shirt off. Nice. Yeah. I'm so. liking them all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, that, oh, and that was, there was really, and the whole, there's just a crowd of these art police would come at you like you were a, a piece of meat in a, in a, <laughs> a rotting meat or something. And, and, and vultures would shoe. come at you, you know. <laughs> but at any rate, but so... So the decommodification is important. So you told me about radical inclusion. You've talked to me about uh, gifting. You've talked to me about um, decommodification. What else is a part of this? Well, there's the radical self-reliance, which I was talking yes. about. You bring everything that you need for a week in the desert, and the desert is harsh. So that means that, that that's why there's this whole cottage industry that's popped up around in Reno and the surrounding cities, Winnemucca, all, all of the cities that are outside Burning Man. Now that there are so many of us that come, they've, the, the sort of um, the box stores and such have, have gotten wind of us. So they know that we're going to need a lot of alcohol, we're going to need a lot of water, we're going to need clothing. So when you go into the Walmart in Winnemucca, it says welcome burners <laughs> and there's and there's a big wall of beer so uh, they know we need all this stuff so we go and we buy all this stuff and you have to bring everything that you need and water is is really at a premium because it's high it's 4,000 feet and it's really hot and it's desert so um, the, the radical self-reliance is take care of yourself all right. you, that's first all right, we're going to take a break now. We're talking to Shirley Myers. We're talking about the Burning Man phenomenon, which is uh, started on the West Coast and the beaches and, and actually in the West Coast of Michigan. Uh, it sounds like the Grutendorst uh, and Wilson <laughs> parties. This is John Smetanka. We're on With Respect, and we'll be right back. We're now back on With Respect with Shirley Myers, who is now from Western Michigan, a photo stylist. We're going to talk about that just a bit. <laughs> but uh, mostly we're talking about this phenomenon called Burning Man. This is John Smetanka. So, Shirley, you told us about a couple of these principles and how they play out in reality. These are not just things that you post on a wall. They're a reality that, that is inculcated by the people who are burners, self-inculcated. Mm -hmm. self mm -hmm. And what are the others? Um, well, we're up to radical self-expression, which is, it's kind of tied to the radical inclusion. Radical self-expression means you can, it's a free speech type of thing, but it's also a free expression kind of thing like there's there's very few things that will be censored um mm -hmm. you can i mean there was a group called the chupacabre and they had bullhorns and they would at 6 a.m start screaming obscenities at from the street and <laughs> wake everybody up and that was their expression so it was too bad you just have to deal with it uh, there's a lot of um now there's a lot of music and djs and um that has become the sort of irritant. There's a lot of irritants, and that's part of the cacophony society too, is to the irritation that um, you create in order for people to lighten, lighten up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the- You might call it de-ruttification. I, <laughs> I made that word up just now. That is, get people out of their ruts. Well, yes, yeah. And that yeah, can be yeah. true of artists, that can be true of, if somebody's working for NASA and they have no other world besides the world of uh, sending people into space, mm -hmm. that can be a rut. Oh, sure. So if you've got creative people in that group, 
letting them get out and, and, and show their their other self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let their freak flag fly, freak flag as it were. Fly. I like that. <laughs> There's a lot of freak flags at Burning Man. <laughs> You'll see um, large men in tutus. Tuesday is the tutu day, so everyone wears tutus, and it's from everybody. So any body style that you can imagine <laughs> in a blue fuzzy tutu <laughs> and likely not much else um, uh-huh. is that's radical self-expression and there's there's a fair amount of nudity there's not as much as there has been in the past um, but there's a lot of costuming and there's uh, a lot of sort of spontaneous um, performance art you could call it but that's all part of the self expression mm-hmm. part and everyone's they're everyone's really encouraged to get out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. well now there's another one down in the, further down in those principles uh, dealing with um, being law-abiding mm-hmm. and tell me about that because laws seem yeah. to be you know a restrictive kind of social standard that uh, might get in the way of being uh, uh, fly, flying a freaky flag. <laughs> Tell me about that, though. Well, they're very much into safety, and there's there's a uh, you know one of the departments that Burning Man is called the Rangers, and they're self-appointed. Um, they're not police. They're not cops. They're there's something between like a big brother and a counselor, and uh, sort of a maybe like an EMT, emergency services type person. So they're sort of a, they're the guys, they, they walk around, they, they're, and, they're, and then there's sort of a Boy Scout aspect to them too. So they're, they're constantly, um, uh, you know, yeah, they, they, they pat- patrol. Um, so uh, they're around, but the thing is that they're, it's not laws. Obviously, you can't break state and federal laws. It's, that's the protect the community part. Like, you can't, we don't want to call attention to them, to ourselves out in the desert because we're doing things that might not be exactly legal. And so, you know, kind of keeping it on the down low is the important protect the community part. Yep. Um, now, Burning Man is, is patrolled by every local agency that can get their hands on it. I don't, and it's a mixture of wanting to bust the hippies. And I think a lot of those guys just want to see the event and be part of it in that way. There's local fire um, and emergency services, and there's state and county and um, federal and BLM. All of those policing agents are are out there. All right, now let's get down to one sensitive part, which is (laughs) drugs. Oh yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and you know certainly the use and exchange of of uh, some if not all drugs is uh, a violation of state, federal, county, whatever <laughs> laws, and but not burner laws. But not burner laws. <laughs> no, as long as you as long as you radically self rely, as long as you don't turn into a mess that somebody has to clean up. <laughs> <laughs> and that is accomplished how with. Uh, when everybody's free to do what they want, self-discipline, uh, self, self, self-discipline, uh, making sure you have friends with you who know what you're up to, and um, and then there's there's probably there's plenty of overdosing situations that happen, but there's there are EMTs there at, at on on the clock, nine o'clock and three o'clock are the positions where the nine o'clock three o'clock, I think there's one at six as well, where the EMT areas are, and you've got people who that's what their volunteer shift is is they mm-hmm. are em they're professional emts and they come in for the week and that's what they do they're mm-hmm. on call um but you know the the sort of mind expanding uh experience that also came out of the 60s and that whole west coast um psychedelic culture is very much alive and well there um and that's kind of what that's co- that's what some of the policing agencies are about. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people, and I think there's there's some tolerance for it. Well, I have. I'm sorry, but I have a vision uh, right now of federal agents that I've known who mm-hmm. are who are going undercover, as it were, 
into uh, Burning Man, and they are walking around with weird headsets and <laughs> odd clothes, Happens. or none, or none. And <laughs> I just, I, I just thinking about these very straight-laced people going into this world, which is not so straight-laced, <laughs> and it, it, it's intriguing to me. All right, Bef before. We've covered just about everything. The last part I want is when you, when this program is over, that is the week is over, it is cleaned up. Oh, hell yeah. And that, that cleanup is serious. In other words, that Down to the area, last sequin. To literally. the last sequin. Yeah. Yeah. And they even have, like, one of the, one of the burner no-nos that is, is constantly being challenged is uh, people should not wear anything that's going to come off of your costume which is feathers, sequins, um, anything that might break, they don't want you to have glass, um, anything that might splinter and fall into this, because the playa is, it's dust, it's not sand, a lot of people think that it's sand, it's, it's uh, gypsum dust. Okay. So you have sort of a hard clay type surface and then all of this dust, which when the winds get whipping, the dust creates, you know, dunes, mm -hmm. basically, so things get hidden. Um, but there are people who, first of all, everyone, everyone is responsible for leave no trace. So all that stuff you brought in, you better be packing it out and you, you pack it out. You pack it all out. There's, there's one place that you can recycle cans and they, and you can take them over and they recycle them. And that's, that's fine. I think there might be a place that where they recycle plastic as well. Now that 3d printing is a big thing. They have, people will take your plastic. But for the most part, everyone is responsible to take their own stuff out. And that means you bring a couple bags and you're taking your stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, and then whatever's left um, gets cleaned up by a couple different layers of leave no trace. Mm -hmm. um, Playa right. restoration, re the resto team. How many of these have you been to now? Six. Six. This is not just anymore a small little little. Uh, phenomenon. It is an organized, you described extremely uh, com complex organization. <laughs> a city of 70,000 people appears mm -hmm. and, and leaves and leaves no trace in one week, mm -hmm. which is stunning. However, I've gone through the net and apparently it has become not just a, uh, a phenomenon of, of the eccentrics, it's a phenomenon that the people Climbing for a reputation are going to mm -hmm. actors and God knows well, who else. The DJ world has really sort of yeah. sprung out of it. Um, you know, there's been several DJs that Skrillex used to play when, just used to play around the playa before he was big and winning Grammys. Um, Bass Nectar also is another name that the kids will know mm. <laughs> from the EDM world. Mm. Um, so that's been a huge thing that's come out of that culture is uh, the DJ D D Diplo, P Diddy. These are all people who yeah. are known in in the music world and right. have either started there or have that or have already started their careers and come in to, for a little boost. Okay, but let me let me uh, we're coming running out of time and I, but I want to tie this to Michigan. This is now a phenomenon which goes around the world, right? Yes. Yep. And Michigan is a part of that world. All right. We started Lakes of Fire in 08. Um, it's a, what we call a regional event. And it's, um, we're up to two, 20, about 2,000 people now. And it happens up north in Muskegon in, a little t in, uh, in Rothbury, Michigan, which mm -hmm. is right next to the, where Electric Forest is. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, yeah, we started that in 08. And it's grown into this uh, pretty amazing event called Lakes of Fire. And you can Google that. All right. And la so Lakes of Fire. Mm -hmm. And if you Google that and Burning Man, you're going to find um, not only the, the, the core of this program, but also part of its expansion. Uh, and I, I'm hoping that, that Lakes of Fire, which you're involved in organizing, I understand. I was one of the founders. I'm not yes. doing it anymore. I've moved on to other things. Now I'm the uh, Western Michigan Regional Contact. Aha. Mm -hmm. So you're expanding your world. Mm -hmm. You're a climbing politician, I can I tell. I kind of am. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything's politics, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you talked about what intrigues you about p watching people. 
I'm intrigued by people also, but I like to see them how they 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 interact in organized society. Mm. That is how people in organizations can be um, can be good, can be bad, but how can you make them better? Uh, if you, under, you you can't make them better unless you understand them. Right. And so getting well, and understanding yeah. people and organizations is, to me, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Shirley Myers, I, I've, we could go on for a long time <laughs> talking about this. Um, however, thank you very much for being our guest today. Burning Man, go on to the Internet, check, take, check it out, and Lakes of Fire, and check that out. And uh, check out Shirley Myers and see how she moves on in the world, uh, (laughs) because I'm sure it will be fascinating in the future. This is John Smetanka. The name of our program is With Respect, and we're on every Sunday morning at 11 and every Thursday morning at 10. And until next time, remember our motto, if you show respect to other people, they will show respect to you. (laughs) 